Hello and welcome to another indescribable episode of Was It Good? I'm your host, Ravi. I'm joined by my two brothers, Christian and Arjuna. We'll be talking a little Unsolved Mysteries, Dark, and Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. We hope you all had a fun but safe 4th of July weekend. We sure did. We went into the desert and drank and ate far too much, but now we're back bigger and more bloated than ever. Yeah, that's, that's the sequel. And, and not because of the McDonald's last night. Totally at, because at midnight, of the Literally McDonald's. at midnight, we got that McDonald's. It was by far some of the worst McDonald's I've ever had. It was really good. It was just a terrible decision. Is there any such thing as good McDonald's? Yes. You're because right. It's all the shrimp burger in Japan was good. So, I don't remember. I that. mean, we're, we'll get into the podcast in just a second. But, like, yes, McDonald's level of food <laughs> in Japan <laughs> is so much better than what you get here in the States. Pizza Hut as well. Mwah. Oh, do you know what I will say? The the shrimp pizza that we had that first night it was, it not was good. really good. Does anyone? No, it was. Do you want Do you want to order shrimp pizza after this? <laughs> Is that a thing here in America? I'm sure we can find a place that puts shrimp on a pizza. Well, we could make our own. Oh my no, god, we couldn't. Anyway, let's jump into our first topic at hand: unsolved mysteries. It's back after a. Real quick, what is – I actually don't know the story around Unsolved Mysteries. So when did it first air, and what is the mystique? Uh, I know the mystique, but what is, what, what is, its, uh, what is the reputation of this thing? Because I really don't – everyone was like, it came back. It re, it's re, and I was like, when did it sure. come back the first time? Like, what? So Unsolved Mysteries has been on and off. I don't know the exact year that it came out. I believe it was the early 90s. Um, okay. It's basically – it followed alongside – America back then in the 90s or late 80s, early 90s was very, very into the whole crime drama, yeah. mysteries, crimes, et cetera, et cetera. This show complements that time period. They picked random cases. Um, when you look at the United States' long history of recorded crimes, et cetera, um, they, there's a lot of unsolved stuff out there. Yeah. So a bunch of people put it out. I forget what network originally premiered it. But uh, they ran it, a couple couple seasons. It originally aired on NBC. The first show aired January twentieth, nineteen eighty seven. It ran on ten year, ten years on NBC, and then it moved for two years onto CBS. Then after a two year hiatus, it returned on Lifetime for two years. Then it went to Spike from oh eight to two thousand ten after a six year hiatus, and now ten years later, it is back on Netflix. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So so it has a rich history. It it's does. older than you. I mean, that's, I mean that's crazy. I mean, like, uh, yeah. Cool. I had no idea. Now an unsolved mystery is solved. <laughs> yes. The unsolved mystery of my brain. Now, Unsolved Mysteries, uh, it's been on Netflix. I think it aired, it premiered, what, last week? July 1st. July 1st, it kicked out. So uh, that was Wednesday. Wednesday last week. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was there for everybody who was sitting at home going into the July 4th weekend. I think that was probably Netflix's marketing move. You know, people just doing more of nothing. Uh, we were definitely out and about. We went out to Joshua Tree for our July 4th weekend, and we ended up watching most of the season. I think I have one episode left. Just one left. Um, overall, what do, you, what do you guys think? I mean, Christian, you clearly, you know, you're not too familiar, I'm assuming, right. with, with Unsolved Mystery. So what did you think kind of looking at it? Yeah, and I only watched, got to watch three episodes, um, all of which were very different. So... My impression of it is it seems to be a lot of murder, which makes sense because what's the uh, the completion rate or the solve rate of murders? It's like 
most of them go unsolved. It's somewhere between zero and 100%. Yeah, somewhere between zero and 100% of murders go unsolved. Yep. So it makes sense, right, that a lot of them would be murder mysteries. And unfortunately, I am just not... I've just never been that into the true crime scene. I don't like true crime podcasts. I'm not a big... I never watch Making Up a Murderer. That stuff, it just doesn't interest me that much. Mm. I, I understand why there is a fascination with it. Like, the what does it take? What, what is the psyche of a person um, who could carry out these things? And, that, and I understand the attraction. I personally have never been... I just don't... I don't... To me, it's not interesting. Um, that being said, what... What was compelling about the show Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix is their sort of their formula, like their nice like sit down, the nice bo the nice boca backgrounds, <laughs> um, <laughs> and they had some, and they picked some like interesting locations for like sit down interviews. Like uh, in one episode, for instance, um, my favorite one of the three that I saw, the alien one, uh, the September first, nineteen sixty nine case of uh, abductions and whatnot. Oh, in Massachusetts? In Massachusetts. Yep. There's one guy, I forget his name, I think, but he's uh, he's sitting on a bridge, like a bridge <laughs> with a roof. Was that they the did the entire interview there. Was that the guy who said his uh, his, uh, his uh, medium of art was uh, No, Crayola? not that guy. No, that what, a, what an incredible character that is all by himself. Uh, so, so some of the like, stylistic choices I found really interesting, they use drone shots in every single one, mm-hmm. which... Uh, I you know that stood out to me right away just because Ravi here likes to use the drone shots and you know it's apparent this is the first show I can remember watching and being like wow they're using a lot of drone footage in every single episode yeah. I was like that's kind of cool I think that's a staple of a lot of true crime nowadays right type yeah, yeah yeah I mean it used to be helicopter shots but who can afford a helicopter these <laughs> days it, why 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 pay for well, yeah why yeah, right? it's, it's so much easier to use a drone over a helicopter you, you know what they should do they should launch the drones from the helicopters they have done that and and then and then the <laughs> the, the shot should be the drone getting the helicopter yeah. right yeah but uh yeah and and oh like uh, overall I think I'm gonna go back and watch all the episodes I didn't because mm-hmm. um, it was it how they did it it was interesting enough to me. Uh, and the way they presented their stories, where I was like, oh, that's actually pretty cool. Not so much, like, the people, but just the way they did it. So I think what's really fascinating to watch Unsolved Mysteries, the newest season on Netflix, which is Netflix prides itself on high production value um, at low cost somehow. Uh, <laughs> and when you compare, like, the formula, which is, like, you know, the cold open, the the the, 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 the music, and then, like, like jumping into, like, you know, a pretty interesting interviews, the 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 reenactments and all that. When you like look back at like older unsolved mysteries from like the nineteen nineties or whatever, it's the same formula, right? It's just like the reenactments back then were a little bit they're cheesier and a little bit goofier because you could tell like the person who's reenacting doesn't look anything like the person um like in the present day or whatever or if it's a murder or whatever. You know, there's obviously nobody you can reenact with whatever but like they do such a really fantastic job of kind of covering it up and making the person look nondescript um but still you can see some of the things of like oh they had long black hair or, right. or they were bigger or they like to wear a yellow jacket and have a red balloon uh you know they made sure <laughs> there was like those similarities <laughs> yeah uh, i don't know why it all of a sudden is an unsolved mystery we solved that mystery Adam. i would love to know because the, the purpose of unsolved mystery is definitely yes to give you know, there is unfortunately like an entertainment value to it oh yeah um but one of the big things with it is there is a website unsolved.com uh, 
where all these cases and information exist. They're also at the end of each episode, <coughs> excuse me, depending on the situation, there are various phone numbers that you can reach out to. And that's because, you know, <coughs> a, um, a, a, uh, a police division or the police for that particular case that they're talking about is looking for more information. And they're utilizing and using this as a way to get this content out in case people have information about um, these cases. Now, there are two cases or two episodes that we watched that we want to talk about. It's the Ray Rivera, Rivera case and then the Alonzo Brooks case. Uh, we'll start with the Alonzo Brooks one. You two saw that one more recently. Yeah. yeah. Um, right off the bat, it is what considered it was a hate crime. It, it's not officially... I still. I don't think it's officially been declared a hate crime, but there's a lot of compelling evidence that makes it definitely likely that it was a hate crime. It was predominantly in... Um, an area of a lot of white people and proclaimed um, racists uh, in that area as well. Uh, you know the um, the the man who who unfortunately was mur- was murdered uh, was a, a half black, half Mexican man, and uh, it seems that from accounts from the party that there were racial sh- racial slurs thrown around. So. There's definitely a lot of evidence, and then it is really sketchy how he went missing for so long. The cops did a thorough search, couldn't find him, and then the family, when they went looking, within 30 minutes found his body like open, essentially, in the creek. Uh, it's a it's a fascinating case, and it's probably the saddest episode because you know when you watch a lot of these crime dramas, you're always looking for the crazy twists, right? And the, you know, like aliens or the Freemasons <laughs> or whatever. Right? And this one's you know pretty cut and dry. It, it's it's a hate crime, and someone hit it, and a lot of people are staying quiet about it. Essentially, there was a lot of people at this party, and it feels covered up, right? Which yeah, is for sure. Which and the most interesting interesting thing about it at the end of the episode, like to do with every single one, it's like, oh, please contact this number if you have more information. Well, yeah, while while we don't know for sure, um, the episode may have prompted that the case has been reopened by the FBI. Yes, right. So that's very interesting. And they're offering a hundred thousand dollar reward. Wow. Yeah. Now. What what why is that? Is it is it because of the increased pressure of what's going on today? Is it because, you know, Netflix put this out and so is the office getting bombarded with all kinds right. of calls and like what what would prompt this? You like, know, I, I, I do think part of it is a PR move. Um part of it is, you know, the optics of what's going on. Oh, we want to look like we're doing the right thing. Having said that, if it brings justice to the family oh, and finding the killer, it's worth it, right? Oh, yeah. Now, are the FBI shady? Absolutely. Like, look through the history of the FBI. Of course they're shady. Sorry, Mr. FBI agent that lives in my phone. He does not mean that. <laughs> <laughs> little, little people just live in here, and they call themselves the FBI. <clears throat> so, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's a good thing. Like Arjun says, I think that's very important. Um Go, you know, these cases, they need to be solved. So having that stuff is, I think it's it's an interesting way to use uh, Netflix, which is a massive yeah. platform. It's a worldwide platform. Right. <coughs> and give more information so that, or get information out to get closure. What's interesting to me about these episodes <laughs> is, and I, I did a little research after each episode to see, you know, when you get these types of documentaries, these true, these true crime documentaries, if it's on a story that's already kind of pre-established, the documentary normally presents new information that's not necessarily out there 
or presents it in a new light or, you know, so there's some type of newness to it. But for a lot of the episodes I feel like that we saw, it was really just a regurgitation of information that was already well established. And specifically, I'm referring to the ep- the alien abduction episode, right? That was a very well-known case. Uh, that story had been told multiple times. Um, even with like Ancient Aliens on the History Channel did a whole episode on it as well. Right. And arguably, I believe that was better received than this version. Um, interesting. Which is interesting to me. Because there was a... When I watch these type of documentaries, the journalist in me wants like a lot of de- details and nitty-gritty, right? And to kind of pursue all the threads that are out there. But when I was watching the show, it just felt like it was very kind of superficial details... And I get it. It's just a runtime of like 40 minutes, right? It's very different from like making a murderer, which is 10 hours on one subject. But I felt like that the show would have been in some of these cases more powerful if there had been like more research and more time devoted to them. And if they had been able to uncover some type of new information, maybe that's what makes it quote unquote worthy to kind of talk about them. Hmm. I think in the case of the UFO one, I think that episode stands out amongst the others as kind of like this weird, wackadoozy, goofy one. Yeah. Um, I don't think we needed the episode at all, but I think when you look at like the other stories, Alonzo, Ray Rivera, <clears throat> I think those ones, they presented a, a good amount of information, right? Because I've never heard of Ray Rivera's case sure. or Alonzo Brooks' case. So I don't know if there would have needed to have been more information. Because remember, the the point of this is to get as many eyes on it as possible, as opposed to adding more information and then mm. potentially just kind of losing out on another aspect or something. Sure. So. There's just a lot of questions I have. Like in the Ray Rivera one, they talk briefly about his best friend who refuses to be interviewed, who put a gag order on everyone, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But they don't <coughs> – they kind of tiptoe around like, well – has he said anything? Is he in contact with any of these people? Like those, those answers are kind of left dangling. Like maybe, maybe not. Like we don't but then, know. But then, and I feel like they didn't do that research. They didn't. They didn't even try to get outside. Of, like he, he's the prime suspect in this, right? Like it's his firm mm-hmm. that made the call. It is his employees. He's put the gag order on. He has refused to speak to the documentary crew, documentary crew, and supposedly maybe the police. Um, did they try to kind of push in that subject view of trying to find out more about him, right? Like, take a Making a Murderer, right, where they spent months and years chasing threads of, like, well, this potential person for this case or whatever about this angle of the thing. Mm. It felt like they only had a month or two to kind of go in and film the episodes. And like, well, we kind of ran out of time, so... Or money. Here's what we got. Yeah. Well, I think that works in two ways. They're, remember, it's eight episodes. Mm-hmm. So it's eight individual stories. They sure. don't have the resources for, like, a making a murderer. Sure. Like, that's right off the bat. They don't have it. The point of Unsolved Mysteries is to solve as many mysteries as possible. Right. Yeah, it would be nice to get more information. But then I also think at the same time, what it does, it allows... It puts the work on the viewer. Mm. To go and research uh, Ray Rivera's uh, business or his his best friend and look into this, and look into that stuff, because chances are, if you're doing the work to look into this, you yourself may have a connect into this story that you didn't even realize, right. or that they can't get themselves. <clears throat> like how right. many times where we want more information, and mm-hmm. but maybe the crew want more information, but you know, what if the company puts put tells Netflix like you can't 
for whatever reason, they're just not allowed to pursue certain avenues. Well, because I think of I think bureaucracy. They work with uh, work with Hulu. <laughs> I think you, well, they said it right in like they put a lot like so. We're the Ray Rivera episode, which was potentially where Freemasons were involved. It's about a an individual who was found six days after he ran out of his household. He looks like he fell off a roof and went straight through metal and concrete. Yet there's no blood around the area of impact, and he's all dang you know destroyed and all that stuff. Um, but with that particular case, they did put a, an interesting amount of emphasis to say. There is a you know gag order in fact, right? Which to me, working with like entertainment lawyers and stuff like that, I'm sure Netflix being involved in this process was like, you have to say as little as possible, and they probably had to run it through ten ten different lawyers on the Netflix side to make sure that Netflix when they put the episode out, they are not bad mouthing or saying whatever about they can't the firm. get you for libel Correct. or whatever yeah. the, the yeah. law is. So I think it, it puts the work on us. Like if we need to go and and do that, and you know. That's kind of what we saw with Making a Murder that took the world by storm. People went and even though that show gave a lot of information, there's still more information and people hunted down different aspects. I mean, so much information they did a second season. <laughs> Unbelievable. Is there a third still coming? There has been rumors like the new lawyer that was introduced in season two for Stephen Avery has been hinting at that they've been filming a season three, but it might take longer years. now. Yeah, yeah. Especially because like both of uh, Stephen and um, what's the kid's name, Brandon Dassey's cases are both like up in the air and yeah. likely never to see the light of day. So it's kind of like barring a Supreme Court trial or a presidential pardon. Okay, so that's never gonna change. Uh, but overall, guys, unsolved mysteries, Netflix, twenty twenty. That's what I'm gonna call this. One. It's season fifteen. Nope. Unsolved Mysteries, Netflix, 2020, season 15. Was it good? Uh, I'll go first. Uh, yeah, it was good. The The three episodes that I watched, um, they were good. For kind of the same reasons I said the top is. I, I just like how they presented the stories. Uh, the storytelling itself was compelling. And I thought like the 30 to 40 minute runtime was good. Mm. Uh, and c- considering the fact that if their goal is to you know, close cases, yeah. then I, I felt like what they presented us was, was pretty good. <coughs> You know, was it, was it good I'm going to go <laughs> no. I'm going to say it wasn't good because I think there are better examples of these type of shows out there. And I feel like, you know, for me, for what I want out of these shows, it's not enough information. I understand it's definitely a show that is kind of just to get the information out there. But I don't like I've never seen Unsolved Mysteries before this. Mm. And I don't think I would really unless it was a. Uh, you know, like the Ray Rivera one was interesting. That, but I, but the, I wanted more. I wanted more detail, and so I would rather watch like the a two hour film about it than like a forty minute episode about it. Mm. I wonder if there is a film already. Yeah, the, I feel like or for most doc- of these, documentary. I think there is a book about it. From <coughs> oh well, uh, when I the did book, man. Well, I might. I honestly <laughs> might. I might pick up the book and read it and read. And then solve the it. case. You know, I want to decipher that note that. That is the strangest thing about that whole thing. The, the, the note, the note that he left. That's very like that's. There's more excerpts of it online, and if you read it, it, it it's it's strange. It's very strange. But Ravi, was it good? Yes, it was. It was good, and uh, I believe a season sixteen was already greenlit. Season sixteen? Uh, well, yeah, it would be the next season. Jesus. That's how many seasons of this thing has been? Five hundred and eighty episodes. That's a lot of dead people. In real life. Yes, sadly. 
Chuck Norris and Jack Bauer would be proud. Wow. Moving on to another Netflix property. <laughs> this entire episode is being headlined by oh Netflix God. properties. Well, actually, so let's talk about that real quick because <clears throat> we can't go to movie theaters. So Yeah, but there's other networks like Hulu, Peacock is coming, CBS Peacock. All Access, Disney Plus. Yeah, but are they putting out new content? And if they are, barbecue why chicken. Why aren't we looking at it? Wow, wow, Wait, wow. barbecue chicken? Yeah, it's a new uh, streaming platform. You uh, you pay it by eating chicken. I'm really hungry. You want to yes, get Chipotle after this? Oh, I would. No, not Chipotle. Uh, so, I'm the only one that watched this series. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be a whole lot of me talking. I to do want to watch this. No, show. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you qualifying questions. Oh, that works. That works. First of so all, so dark. <laughs> dark is a series that we're talking about. A German, pro- uh, written, produced uh, series, limited series, three seasons. It finally wrapped up whenever season three dropped. I mean, it took me about two, three weeks to get through the whole thing. Uh, season three, by far, one of the most interesting seasons because uh, you. I didn't. So here's here's the fun thing. Watch when I started season three. I didn't realize it was the last season. <clears throat> And how they kind of presented the story, it was very kind of fast-paced and a lot of information throwing it, was being thrown at you. And once I realized around episode two or three that it was the last season, I was like, oh, this makes sense as to why all this information is being presented. And being that I've been a fan of the show since season one, I kind of knew what was going on and it kind of helped speed up the whole process of, of getting through this, this incredible and amazing you know, science fiction journey. Which I cl- I'm claiming right here is the greatest television show, television show ever. Wait, so I'm going to ask some qualifying <coughs> to questions. me, uh, real quick. To me, if you go to the Wikipedia page, there are some fascinating charts that they like. They've made family trees. They have like, oh, oh, these forget, weird circle graphs. Forget, forget, yeah. forget the Wikipedia one. Go to the Darks Netflix Darks official page. Dear God, there's like hidden Easter eggs all over there in terms of like. I mean, I can spoil. I, I'm trying to like, tread lightly in what I can say because you two haven't seen it, right? And I could just wreck it, yeah. But I don't want to wreck yeah, it, yeah. Because I so, want to watch it. Now. So I think what we should do here. This yeah. is not going to be a full on spoiler okay. review, but I'd like to hear Krishna's qualifying questions, yeah. as to why I'm claiming, yeah. uh, Dark Netflix Dark is the greatest science fiction show. So just to me, I think the best way to do this is just to um, maybe so we can see some comparison, right? Sure. On a scope of epicness, <clears throat> what would you relate it to? Is it like a Lord of the Rings? Is it a Star Wars? If you're if you're just gonna look at like how big is it? How many characters were involved? The level of conflict. So scope in terms Game of, of Thrones. Sure. In yeah. terms of scope, it is not up there in terms of. And this is where it's tricky because you're dealing with multiple versions of people yep. in multiple time periods. All in the same location, but the location changes because it's multiple time periods again. So when you take this one city, the city of Winden, Winden, Vinden, um, and Windham? then you and then you realize, like in season one, you jump between roughly three time periods. Come season two, you're jumping between um, six to seven time periods, and then a whole slew of new characters are introduced. And you have to realize in this show. When one new character is introduced in the past, present, or future, there's another. There are two other versions of that character doing something in this whole thing. And then when season three happens, you're kind of like, oh, now there's fucking parallel worlds. Mm. So take everything that you learned in season one and two and double it. Yep. So in terms of like the amount of characters, 
um, that there are, and then the location. the The scope is pretty big, but I wouldn't compare it to like a a Star Wars scope where it's like epic, big uh, space war film, right? Right. It's bigger. It's it's off that same scope because each character, you have to like understand their desires, their wants, who they are, but then you have to learn it multiple times. Mm. Now, Dark did a nice thing where it's like for every character, for the most part, there's like three versions. They could have been real dicks about it and given you like five versions or six versions or nine versions or whatever. But you learn like a single character, you learn them in like three different time periods of their life and then also how they interact with all these other weird things. So it's a great, it's it's a really interesting story because science fiction is great and time travel is just what and this this plays upon like what version of time travel makes sense the chicken or the egg the the there's a p1 i can't remember there's a whole bunch of different versions mm. they touch on for the most part every single one why it works why it doesn't work mm. and then you've also got the drama of what this asshole is trying to do and wait was he actually an asshole or no it was actually this other thing and yeah just so, so much shit so let me ask Arjuna this real quick real quick Juna um, if you were to give me your top three television shows you've ever seen of all time yeah Breaking Bad probably Breaking Bad The Wire mm. and I mean I, obviously we haven't seen every television show ever yeah so but for me we're biased but it's those two, and I feel like I'm missing an important one. Mm. Well, it's okay. It's just a, it's just a generic. Probably one you know, of my fa- one of my animated shows that are like Avatar mm. or BoJack Horseman or Adventure Time. SpongeBob. Or, uh, first four seasons. The first three seasons, <laughs> or you know, one of the animes like uh, um, uh, Full Metal Alchemist yeah. or, or something. So, so rather, you're saying that Dark mm-hmm. is better than Breaking Bad? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, so you didn't even hesitate. Yeah. What? So before dark, but you have to before dark. Hold on, hold on. What was your favorite? What was your favorite couple of? TV well, hold on, shows? the reason I say though, like without hesitating, I will always pick a science fiction thing as the my top contender. Okay. Because I love science fiction. Yeah. Like it is, it is so fascinating to me. Mm. Breaking Bad is not science fiction. That's not a knock at it. Yeah. It's a drama. Right. Right. Dark is you know science fiction, but it's also a drama. But the drama is so much more interesting than that of like a Breaking Bad. Because of the sci-fi elements in there, mm. so what your other question was: what was my favorite? Yeah, what was your what were your favorite shows before Dark? Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, seasons one through four of Game of Thrones, mm. Westworld, mm-hmm. um, The Office, Star Trek. Oh yeah, Star Trek, Stargate, Stargate, and this is better than all Battlestar Galactica, Mandalorian, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. because and, and, and the right. the thing is like Battlestar Galactic is another really good one. It is a great, fantastic, interesting, intense science fiction. Its ending is so fucking frustrating. Mm. Well, is, they did run out of money. Yeah, they like, ran, it, it's literally cardboard. <laughs> at the Wait, end. what show? Battlestar Galactica. Remember the last season, like the the fourth <laughs> season. The CGI is so bad. I don't remember that show very well. It's um, and and that's the thing is like. A show can be, and this is why, like Breaking Bad is considered like one of the best dramas ever, because the story wraps so nicely. It makes sense. You're not sitting there going, "Well, why did that person get that sword from their father and go through that entire thing?" Which leads me to my next question: Spider-Man Two, Game of Thrones. Which leads me, to, <laughs> I think, to my final and last question, which is maybe more important to us, like science fiction fans. Mm-hmm. 
in terms of the mechanics of the time travel in Dark, mm -hmm. how does it compare to some other time travel classics? Let's say like Back to the Future. We could throw in Avengers Endgame, um, The Time Machine. Uh, you know, so you know, stuff like that. In terms of the mechanics, did you like them? Mm -hmm. Is it the best you've ever seen? And th that, you know, lend to the, the credence of that? Like, talk to us a little bit about the mechanics without ruining it, if that's possible. It is the most, this is going to sound hilarious. This, in terms of my own understanding of general concepts of physics and then time, time travel, and then more recently, like I think in the last 20 years or so, the idea and concept of multiple dimensions and how all that fun stuff works, this makes a lot of sense. Mm. Like, this show is not just about time travel, and you don't really discover that until later. It's not a major spoiler. Um, what? But you you understand how one thing is possible because of this other thing. And it's it's very simple. It makes sense. And it kind of helps connect everything together. There's a little bit of the whimsical. Mm -hmm. And when I say a little bit, I'm, I'm talking a... 30-second shot in the last episode in the last five minutes where it's a little bit whimsical or whatever. But even that and how they present it and how they discuss, you could still look at them and be like, yeah, that actually makes sense based upon all the other mechanics and all the other information that you've presented. Cool. So. Well, I don't think we need to ask him if it was good, but we should ask, Arjuna, will you watch it? Based on what Ravi has said. Yeah, I, on I, honestly, I, I've wanted to watch this show for a few years. It's just been on my backlog. Were you scared? No, I wasn't scared. <laughs> it's I wasn't called scared. Dark. It's called, uh, I work at the place called No Fucking Life. I don't know what those initials stand for. <laughs> the uh, LFN? <laughs> but, so it's a show I definitely want to watch, and... Um, I mean, it's always looked really well made and, and interesting. And I, you know, one thing Ravi touched on, it is a German show, right? And uh, I've always really appreciated foreign um, cinema. Like, I, it just just in terms of the way they tell stories, the way they shoot stuff. Like, what was that show we watched a few months ago? The interrogation one where it was made in four different countries. Oh, um, yeah. It's another Netflix one. I forget what that was this called. This episode, by the way, was not sponsored by Netflix. But it <laughs> might as well have been. Come hire us, Netflix. We'll be <laughs> your professional reviewers. But... That you know, I really like that show because you saw the four different styles of cinema um, across four different countries with different actors as well. Uh, so yeah, I would definitely watch the show. Will you watch the show? Though? For sure. I wasn't going to because I was like, I don't know why. Why to be honest? Because I don't remember. Cause because you, I you, liked you, you, it, you, and you hate when I like something. Yeah, that's, that's true. That, that's what you guys do to things that I like. Yeah, exactly. I I just assume, and you guys do it to me as well. It took you guys a while for no. I I, I, I want to watch. No, no, some you of get this you stuff. get you get you get there eventually. I still want to watch Vikings, even though you said it fell off. It it, fall, it definitely falls I off. I want to watch Peaky Blinders. Vikings. Peaky Blinders. Vi Vikings. I feel like in terms of seasons that just kind of drop off and you forget about. Cinema is like lost. Like not so, and, and what I mean by that is like in the mo like if you're watching in the moment with the rest of the world, you stay on. Yeah. But if you're going back and revisiting it, you're just kind of like, yeah, whatever. And Vikings for me was definitely like I got through season three of Lost after it all aired, and I was kind of I I just don't care anymore. Yeah. Similar to Walking Dead, you yeah. get to a point where you're just like this is so similar to the Arrowverse. Honestly, like we got to the. Like I just don't care anymore, and I feel like a lot of people are probably like that for those types of shows. I and I think like my last thing with with Dark is the fact that it was three seasons. Yep. Perfect. Right. Mm. I think if you had hit a fourth season, my brain would have melted 
with email fucking characters going right. and running through. Well, so, you know, as we are talking about Netflix, Netflix has moved to a model now where they're just having their shows really, unless it's a super mega hit like Stranger Things, right? Where they're going to push for as many seasons as they can afford and keep the gang together. They're really pushing for a lot of these shows to be two to three seasons. Mm. Like, there's a, there's a show that um, I watch. It's called Dead to Me. It's with Christina Applegate. It just got renewed for a third season today, and they just announced it's the final season. Nice. And, like, it's a decent it's a decent ratings hit for them, but they, like, we came to the creative conclusion um, <coughs> that we want to end it, and what they're doing is they're signing these these um, big deals with the creators to to create multiple projects, short-term projects for their for Yeah, their it's, what, it's what uh, uh, the UK does. Yeah. Like, Broadchurch was another really good one with David Tennant. That was a three season, and we're kind of done. Yep. Luther was always designed to be, we can just be done after whatever season, right? Which is another interesting Sherlock. One. Sherlock, Sherlock. For the most part, you could argue, yeah. I mean, that one they want to keep doing. It's just everyone's too fucking busy. Mm. So, and their showrunners crazy. Interesting. But yeah, overall, really good show. Uh, our last movie or item that we're talking about, which once again. Comes from Netflix. It does. My God, we are not sucking up to Netflix. Please give us your money. <laughs> uh, Eurovision Song Contest: The Story of Fire Saga. Real quick, before you jump in, is Christian? Yeah. When I heard that about this film, and uh, you were upstairs, I think talking about it. I thought they were talking about Fire Island. Fire Fest. Yeah, Fire Fest. Too. And I was very slide. excited because, like, Will Ferrell, Fire Fest. But it's uh, something different. Mm. Christian, what was it? Uh, well, it, it basically is this uh, this Will Ferrell movie. Uh, Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams? Yep. I, I don't know. I almost said Amy Adams. I was like, ah, that's not right. Nope, Rachel McAdams. Uh, Rachel McAdams. And, um, it, it, well, Eurovision is a real uh, dance contest uh, in Europe. Singing and dancing. Singing and dancing. And this movie is based off of that. And uh, it's it's, well, it's interesting. It's um, sort of a musical. Well, there's dance numbers in it. Um, and apparently there's a lot of actual Eurovision contestants who appear in it um, doing their dancing and singing bits. Demi Lovato's in it, too. So. Yeah, that was a big thing. Yeah. My other job, we, it was a big story that I wrote. Oh, really? Yeah. For about, certain news? About, about Demi about Demi appearing. Because... She first started as an actress before she became a singer. She did? Yeah. Uh in a Disney a Disney show and Disney original movie. There was a I think it was called Camp something Jeez. That she did with the Jonas brothers, like one of those Disney Channel original movies. Uh-huh. And then they all became famous. Um but yeah, it was kind of a big return for her, especially because she was like in rehab last year or two years ago. So mm. it's kind of like part of her comeback. Cool. Oh, wow. She did cool. she did a great job. Um it was okay. It was it was all right. Uh, <laughs> the opening scene got me really excited because it's ridiculous. It's uh, Will Ferrell, Rachel McAdams in Viking costumes. Yep. In the middle of uh, like Iceland. this Iceland or this snow, you know, and then just just belting out this like you know anthem, and uh, it was great. And then after that, that's the high point of the movie. And after that, it just kind of you know becomes and the film a p- becomes a pretty typical. Weaker Will Ferrell movie. I've comedy. also heard it's long, right? It's like two and a half hours. It's it, when you think is the end, you're there's still forty nine minutes to go. <laughs> That's not a good sign. Yeah, it's it's not great. There were there were some like good parts to the movie that I really enjoyed. Um, ben Stevens, the guy, the main character from Legion. Uh, he's Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens, the most generic name ever, maybe. Um, 
uh, who plays Legion, he he's great in this. He plays a uh, a, a, a Russian, um, a gay Russian who's closeted, uh, and he's like presented as the antagonist of the movie, right? Trying to sort of break up Rachel McAdams and Will Ferrell so that you know he can win. I guess I'm. You're not even really sure what his motivation is. Um, he, I thought he did a, a phenomenal job. He also reminds me of a a, a, a famous Bollywood actor. Um, Hithrik Ro- Roshan, Rohan, the big, the big, you know, yeah, yeah, jacked Bollywood yeah. For some reason, he looks just like him. It's weird. Like a white version? <laughs> like a white version of him. A white, you know, whiter, scrawnier version. Um, so where would you rank this with other Will Ferrell movies? <laughs> it's it's probably toward the bottom, if I'm being oh, honest. Wow. Okay. Um, like, I, I pulled up a list here. Uh, it's, uh, like, there's almost all of these movies are, I would probably put ahead of it, right? Wow. Such as? Uh, Talladega Nights. Um, no brainer. No brainer. Anchorman. No brainer. Um, Elf. Old School. Step Zoolander. Brothers. Step Brothers. Blades of Glory. Wait, better, better question. Is this worse or better than the Anchorman other 2? Because I, I personally am not a fan of Anchorman 2. No, I, I that one was what, that was one of those films where it's like, okay, just hurry the fuck up and be. Anchorman done. 2 only has one good scene in the entire movie, so I would put this ahead of Anchorman 2. Oh wow! Mm. Yeah, would you put this ahead of like his other awful movies like Get Hard or <laughs> um, What's Get Hard again? Or Daddy's Home. Get Hard is the one he did with Kevin Hart, and he's like, he he. I think he yeah. hires Kevin Hart because he has to go to jail, jail or for something. A bit, yeah. yeah, I haven't seen Get Hard, and it's it's terrible. What was the other one you mentioned? Daddy's Home and Daddy's Home 2. That's one with Mel Gibson, right? No, that's no, a, no. That's uh, Walt, sequel, Mark yeah. Wahlberg. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg saying that Mel Gibson's in the... I thought Daddy Home, the first one, was okay. Uh, was I, I might put that ahead of ahead of this. Okay. Um, I will say this. Uh, you mentioned it. The Some of the cinematography around the dance numbers is truly, like, technically, like, really cool. Like, there's a lot of, like... I, I wonder, 360 shots. Yeah, I wonder if that comes. Like that. I, I wonder if that comes in because this film was probably they worked in conjunction with Eurovision in some re, in some way. Mm. Do you? Here's a here's a bigger question. Do you feel that this film was just one big gigantic ad for Eurovision? Yeah, you know, and you know why <laughs> I do feel that way. Slash, slash Iceland, <laughs> like the uh, committee to visit Iceland. <laughs> oh my god, you, you're probably not wrong because I feel like they toned down. Some of Will Ferrell, because Will Ferrell is known for being just like ridiculous, over the top, and ridiculous. And he was like, to me, like a little toned down, which is fine. But that weekend, the movie, in my opinion, like I lo- the Dan Tumbers were the best part of the movie. And I wanted to see more of the over the top Will Ferrell, like Will Ferrell from Talladega Nights or Will Ferrell from, you know, Step Brothers, like that level of ridiculousness combined. With these like epic dance numbers, I think that would have been it would have been one of his best movies. But I think they decided to go in a different direction. I think maybe maybe because they were working with Eurovision and it is a giant <laughs> advertisement for that for that show or series. Perhaps they were like, we don't need it to be a Will Ferrell movie in as much as just like this enter- somewhat entertaining musical. Right. So. So ultimate question: Was it good? No. <laughs> wow! No. Was if, it if Krishna? Krishna's like the low meter, right? <laughs> if he if Krishna says wow. your thing isn't good, yeah. it is truly awful. No, that's not true. He liked um, no, that's not true. Because yeah. there's there's a few things I think I said aren't good that you guys thought were good. So you can't even say very that. few. Yeah, it, it happens. It happens. Very few. But no, as, that, no, that being that being said, as, I did watch it with you know a couple other people, and they did like it. So real quick though, so so as a film, not good. 
Yeah. As an ad for Eurovision in Iceland, will you be tuning into the next Eurovision contest? And do you have more of an interest to visit Iceland? Uh, visit Iceland, yes. Um, because uh, there were they did pull in these parts so that uh, a lot of um, the population of Iceland still believes in elves. Oh, that's right. And they have like little like houses set up, and mm-hmm. apparently those are all over Iceland. Um, I learned that from the, the some people I was watching it with. Uh, and so for that aspect, and also the the I believe it was shot on location. Don't quote me on that. I might be wrong. I well, think some of it was, yeah. At least some of it was. Um, so based on some of that geography that they show, it's, it's a beautiful country. So I'd love to go and experience some of that. I will not be checking out Eurovision because I do not like those kind of shows. I've never watched like American Idol, for instance. I have no interest in it, so I'm not a good person to ask that. Uh, what so, was the other? So what? fun fact, Christian doesn't like those shows because when he was 18, he tried out for American Idol. And uh, was told to get out. If I tried out for American Idol, I would not have made it. So that might be true. Um, so was there anything else? So not a good movie. I would say it's a pretty good ad for Eurovision if you're interested in those kind of shows. I have a feeling if I was into those shows, I would probably would check it out. Uh, and for Iceland, yeah, I, will, I would definitely want to visit because nice. of the movie. There it is. Yeah. So that's going to hit us on all of our movie topics. Let's jump into some wasn't news. Right off the top... Black Widow is a franchise? Passing of the Torch? Yeah, what is this? Question? What is, what is this garbage? So, <laughs> uh, the director of the movie, uh, Kate Shortland, uh, did an interview, and uh, this is the direct quote. Uh, quote, Kevin Feige realized that the audience would expect an origin story, so, of course, we went in the opposite direction. <laughs> and we didn't know how great Florence Pugh... Uh, Florence Pugh is playing Scarlett Johansson's sister in the movie. The younger sister, right? Right. Who we think um, is going to be picking up the black man. Yeah. Black Widow. Right. We, we didn't know how great Florence Pugh would be. Um, what? You you didn't? Isn't that weird? Like, you cast someone. You, uh, I hope you cast they, them expecting they, No, they, they, had, right? they had an idea. Yeah. Uh, we knew that she would be great. Okay. But we didn't know how great. <laughs> Scarlett is so gracious. Like, quote, oh, I'm handing her the baton. So it's going to propel another female storyline. What's interesting about this is they denied this for months and months, right? They denied that this was a passing of the torch. It was in fact, fairly obvious. In right? fact, when I worked with a previous establishment, um, we were on the. It was at Comic Con last year. They um, they had the Black Widow cast come uh, come out on the line, and we actually asked Florence Pugh, uh, the outlet I was with. Oh, are you going to like? Did you sign the massive Disney contract? And she's like, No, you know, I'm just doing this one movie. Like, I don't know what the plan is or anything like that. Blah blah blah. But it seems like maybe now that they're starting to change their tune, I wonder if they're kind of they kind of said this to build up excitement in the movie again because with COVID and the delays and everything, there's been no Marvel movie. You know, the int- I feel like the interest in Marvel has gone. In the last year, down. You know, like, I just... People aren't interested. When you have a movie called Endgame, like... <laughs> you know? Well, but they, they always knew that was going to happen. And then yeah. I think what has made it a lot harder is COVID. COVID. I mean, I'm not... I'm, Star Wars is one of the other big franchises that, you know, I love and care about. But right. for the most part, like, you get a little bit of Mandalorian news here and there. But then it's kind of the hype train dies down. It's sure. The problem is we just don't... Mandalorian is a little bit different, but like when it comes to the actual movies, we just don't know when the hell these things are coming right. out. So I think it's smart from a marketing perspective to yes, drop these little nuggets so that it's 
in this the is, back this of This is mind. a big nugget, though, because I feel like they were trying to save that for the movie, right? That this was kind of a uh, passing of the torch. So to, to outwardly say it uh, is an interesting choice to me. I wonder if they are they're worried that with everything happening with COVID, this might be the first MCU movie that has to be directly released to VOD. Because they don't want to keep just delaying it into twenty end of twenty twenty one and then twenty twenty you know or end of twenty twenty and into twenty twenty one and so on. So this would be the first Marvel film that has a female lead, correct? Correct. And then COVID happened. Yes. I'm not saying the mouse conspired. Yeah. Co- no, that's <laughs> yeah. So that's interesting stuff. Let's move on before anyone picks up on what the fuck I just said. J.J. Uh, <laughs> Abrams working on a Constantine movie. Two things that come to mind. <laughs> Number one, lens flares. Well, it works for Constantine. He goes to hell all the time, so that works. <laughs> um, but you know, J.J. Abrams. You know, I think everyone. I think for the most part, this table is kind of like, mm-hmm. but more importantly, oh, I'm not mer. I'm like, I'm anti JJ. More, more importantly, do we need a Constantine movie? Like the Keanu Reeves one, I thought was fucking fantastic, and I would love to see more of that. I just don't know if we need a whole new one. They also have actually a pretty good live action TV version of Constantine. Yeah. on um on the in the Arrowverse shows, uh, he does a really good job. And I just like I just don't know if Constantine really works on in a movie setting. But sure, JJ, go ahead, ruin another. Franchise. I mean, I I kind of I agree. I'm like uh, JJ. Don't give two shits about. Honestly, don't give really two shits about Constantine. So this is to me the most worthless news we've ever had on the show. Speeding through Walmart. <laughs> Walmart, uh, Walmart considered at one point one of the greatest evil retail fronts <laughs> in what? America. I mean, once uh, is now doing an interesting thing to save part of their business. As we know, a lot of people are not going out and shopping due to uh, COVID and uh, the economy and so forth. Um, in light of that, people also aren't going to movie theaters. So what they're Walmart is looking to do is they're going to convert about 160 parking lots into outdoor movie theaters. So the the rise of the drive-in movie theater is back. It's, a, it's about you, to Walmart. take a dramatic increase. And that's the only, that's the first business that's announced it on a major scale. I'm sure there are going to be actual movie theaters that are going to try this too. Oh, what are we thinking about? Because even like, think back to New Hampshire, right? Think about the massive parking lots that movie theaters have. Like you can, especially like, maybe not in cities, but in a lot of like rural America... It's easy business. Calling it right now if the NBA and NFL season don't happen. More specifically, actually, the MLB season two. They're going to take the stadiums and convert them into drive-ins. So, so, so league uh, sta- are stadiums are now going to become the mo- new movie distribution uh, model. It's already happening. The Rose Bowl is doing a summer uh, drive-in movie series. Oh, wow. Uh, and they're showing like a lot of classics. Like I think in two weeks, they're actually showing Inside Man. Uh, at the Rose Bowl, mm. so it's already starting to happen, yeah. and it's going. You're right; it's going to like the, the owners are going to freak out, and they're just going to be like, "How do we get people into these stadiums? Make some money any way that we possibly? They all have. Well, they don't need them in the stadium. They want them in the near. They just lots, need yeah. them in the parking. They lot. just it's, need to make some money. They just need money. God damn it! Yeah, I know, Gina. You said you said that you've been to a few. Um, mm. uh, Mother of Pickle just commented. Uh, went to a drive-in the other night. It was full, like really full. Yeah, they're they're really uh, and. We went to a drive-in that was showing like 
crappy Amazon straight to VOD movies. Yeah. <laughs> Can you and imagine it, if they did Black Widow? It was full. What if they did Black Widow in drive in theaters? Would you go see it? No. Uh, I probably I would. would. I yeah. would. I'd be I like, would. Oh, how much how, how much or I guess how much we pay like okay, first of all, as of right now, before you know, stadiums, Walmarts sure. convert things. Yeah. What's the closest drive in to us in the Los Angeles county area? Um that's open right now? Yeah. The Vineland one, I believe. And what's that drive? It's about forty five minutes. Each way. Okay, and how much is it to watch this? $10 for a car. Yeah. So $10 for a car. Yeah. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, also, plus um, you can, wait, hold on. You can bring your own food and drink? Yes. Also, and they also have a snack bar. So if you do get hungry and you want, they have bathrooms. Uh, it's an easy way to social distance. It's one of the only potential safe ways to go out and socialize. And then how do they like fill occupancy? Like is it just a first come first serve or you buy a ticket prior? You buy a ticket prior, you right? can buy your ticket prior or you go, you get it and then you find a spot. Like how the drive-ins work is uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been to a drive-in. Nope. But normally it's just like a, a flat piece of ground but then each parking spot is like slightly raised so you can kind of like incline your car a little bit so then you have like a nice View of the, um, but screen. isn't that? But though, what if your windshield is dirty? Well, then that's that's on you. It's not a perfect experience, right? Like, no, it can't. Be. You know, you're because if you get there, you're late, getting well, your, sh- your spot will be. Yeah, for, first off, like the picture's not going to be perfect, right? Because yeah. if there's any type of light pollution or whatever, also you're sound. Not gonna get, how does how does sound? The work sound comes things. through your FM radio, so it's not perfect sound. You know what I mean? Static. No, it's not. St- no, no, it's not just static. <laughs> I know, but it's I just know. it's a stereo, right? So I saw I saw um, the rental, a horror movie, and it's that in- must have been fucking freaky. It was definitely freaky because it's dark outside. But then the thing, the thing that's different though is you can't exactly see everything that you want to see on the screen, and you don't get all the sounds that you want to get either, right? Because you're just getting a, a car stereo. You're not getting the full theater surround sound and visual imagery. Um, Drive-ins don't make sense for every movie, right? Like right. Tenet right. doesn't make sense. Right. Pro- most horror movies probably doesn't make the most sense unless it's like a straight-up slasher movie. Yeah. Um, uh, horror movie. I don't know. Some horror movies might benefit yeah. from seeing less right. and hearing less. Here's my question for you guys: More scary. If if COVID con- is obviously it's still continuing, but we still we continue to see this rise in drive-in movies, right? And drive-in theaters, as theaters still can't really open back up. They've tried it to keep pushing it back. Are we going to see a little bit of a different difference in our cinema? Because people are going to start developing movies right now. Because, you know, some places are filming right now, developing it for a drive-in audience versus I, a I don't think, sit-down theater audience. I don't think we're at that extreme because what that would signify is that we are going to be doing this covert thing for another, like, two to three years. We could be. <laughs> that is, I don't want to think about uh, that. Two, that two, is depressing as fuck. Two things, though. Two things. We can beat COVID, but unless some drastic, and hopefully, you know, we're getting a wake up call, but unless some drastic measures are taken, I think we've seen that it takes, it takes one disease to shut down the world, right? That, so it's not like pandemics that are going to be solved once COVID is over, right? Yes, it will. Plus, we have other issues coming up. It's COVID. That unless, that unless we take action, could also force a stay at home kind of thing with climate change and whatnot. Uh, also, just want to mention one thing: uh, Walmart and stadiums aren't going to be the only businesses converting things, parking lots into movie theaters. Um, friend, 
friend of the podcast, Sahara, said that some airports are actually converting their parking lots uh, to drive-ins <laughs> as well. Uh, Ontario International Airport, apparently, uh, that's kind is, of, is one that's such example. Wacky. So thank that, you. They got to make money too. But you know that makes sense because the light pollution in an airport, like some airports, is, is a lot is less, way right. way less, right? But we do have a question, uh, which is a good one. How would you make a movie, uh, or how would a movie be made more driving, like more like more close ups or? Yeah, so you gotta you gotta think in terms of like loudspeakers. Your color, well, no, like in terms of your color grading and stuff, you're grading the movie differently, right? Because when you grade, when you do your cinematography and your color grading on a the- theatrical movie, you're thinking that perfect. Black. black box, right. no type of light coming in. Now all of a sudden you have to think back to like, oh, we don't have, we're not, it's not ideal conditions anymore. How do we kind of shoot it? How do we kind of grade it differently so it's a it's a better visual on a projector that is hundreds of feet away outside, and then you're watching it hundreds of feet away through a potentially dirty and front screen. And yeah. the neighbor and your neighbor has left their lights yeah. on and is shining a light right, right into you know you know what you know what I could see happening. I don't think it's you you changed your style and all that particularly. I think all you're doing is you're just saying to the colorist you're out of a job. Because why would you spend the money to like color grade something yeah. if it's gonna look like shit? Because then all you're relying on is not you're you're taking away color science that you know does evoke emotion all that crap, right. and instead you have to rely heavily on the action and the acting um, and some visual cues. Pot- potentially, we go back to more like straight up action blockbusters, right? Yeah, you're looking at p- just more you're like dumbing down the movies a little bit. From some of the the higher quality stuff you maybe have gotten over previous years, because mm. yeah, color grading is going to go down. Sound design is not going to be as important either. Like you're just getting it from a stereo. Like why mm. do I need to bother on like the all these folly sounds and you know complete? Sur- you don't even have to worry about complete surround sound. You don't need five or seven layers of sound really. Right, if it's just coming through two speakers, right, so it is interesting. Yeah, that is it's an interesting thing. But I, I think, like Ravi said, I think studios are gonna they don't want to do that. They they want you know. Well, they might because that developing it that way might save them money. As well. Yeah, but let's be honest. If if we get to a point where we have to develop those movies, we're in a lot worse place. That's true. Than where movies probably aren't that high on a list of priorities. Right? They're high on my list. Well, you are just inert. kidding. Last piece of news here: Colin Kaepernick signs a first look deal with ESPN. Well, Disney. I think it was with Disney. It might be with ESPN, but it's not limited to ESPN. Like they might choose to show his documentary on ABC or one of those other things. Um, ABC, but basically, yeah, it's Disney uh, Plus or Freeform or Hulu or Hulu. Is yeah, Hulu Disney, Disney has controlling. They have the interest. controlling stake. Well, that's why we never talk about Hulu. We're over Disney on this place. I'm just kidding. Um, so basically, it's a uh, documentary that is being produced by Colin Kaepernick's production team, uh, RA something media something, um, and it's going to be chronicling the last five years of Colin Kaepernick's life, including the final season of uh, his time, his final season in uh, the for the San Francisco 49ers. So far. What led to his kneeling and then the subsequent blackballing and then president tweeting and, you know, all that fun, good stuff. So, it, but we should mention it's a first look deal, which means simply that Disney will take a look at what they present to them and then decide what they want to do. Have with first it. say on if they want to show it. Uh, and if they do, great. If not, then it he can opens up it, to right? everyone else. 
Yeah. So. so this is the second piece of Colin Kaepernick docu series series news, news that's been announced. Obviously, the other one was the Netflix one. That one's not a. That's it's more a of a scripted, scripted, scripted series drama. Yeah, yeah, of his life, which is interesting. Um, so. how, how do you feel about that, Colin Kaepernick? He's out, he's out there. I think he's a strong voice, and I think it's an important voice that's needed in these times. And it just seems like now, if you go back in history, he was just kind of four years too early in terms of what he was trying to do. The country wasn't re- ready to hear that message. Right? He was kneeling specifically to raise awareness about police brutality. And four years later, that is, you know, maybe besides COVID, the number one topic yep. uh, out there. So I think now, and you're seeing it now, because it's clearly with these deals, people are now ready to listen to what he has to say. And uh, I think it's overdue. And I think it's, he's a good, you know, clearly he has a lot to say, and I think he's a powerful voice. He's, he's way more than football. Um and I will definitely be tuning into these shows to see to see um, what they're all about. I think it's interesting that you know the Colin Kaepernick stuff when you were when folks were working in media four or five years ago and he was taking the knee. A lot of these big agencies were kind of like, "We don't want anything to do with that. It's bad because our audience gets really whatever." Yeah. Now it's really shi- pissy. Now it's shifted to we're going to shove this and put this in your face. I just think it's interesting that you know brands will go and change their stances when it obviously benefits them. But as we know, brands work on whatever helps and pays the bills. Right. So. What do you guys think was the like? It, it's interesting, right? That clearly, like George Floyd was the shift, right? That was kind of needed. But do we think we would have gotten there without it? Do you think it was just inevitably like we were leaning to that direction, and then this this event, like it was just the perfect confluence of. Here's this awful thing that happened. It also happened during COVID, and it just kind of tipped the scales. I think it's a it's a there are a bunch of different tracks, paths, whatever you want to call it, that led to where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. COVID is a I think a big un, you know unfortunately important factor in all this because you fundamentally shifted how people were going about their day in day out. Right, and you know part of the whole part of the problem, part of the thing that Black Lives matter stands for is like you know with police brutality like george floyd's what happened to him happens unfortunately it's still happening all the time i think it's the the big nail in the coffin or whatever you want to say is the fact that covid happened mm-hmm. without co- without covid i don't think we'd be where we're at right now it gets yeah. lost it gets, it gets lost it would have been it, it would have just been life. i yeah, think it was disgusting i think it would have taken longer yeah but you can you can only you know, oppress people for so long before they're going to fight back, right? But without COVID, it takes longer, mm. and it maybe doesn't happen for a while, and maybe Colin Kaepernick flames out before before that, right. before that, that yeah. moment, which maybe happens years down the road. So, um, which is unfortunate to think about, but here we are. So, yes. The end. Oh. That, that is going to actually do it for our <laughs> podcast here for Was It Good. You can find us on Twitter at Was It Good, on Instagram at Was It Good BTM, and on twitch.tv slash Was It Good. Every Monday, we tape the podcast live. Feel free to jump in, ask questions, hang around, tell us about your day. Just kidding. I'll tell you about my day. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>